Hello and welcome to Mr. President from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. I am not responsible to the Senate and I am not and I am unwilling to submit my actions to them for judgment. Mr. President, starring Edward Arnold and written by Gene Holloway. <laughs> Mr. President, at home in the White House, the elected leader of our people, our fellow citizen and neighbor. These are little-known stories of the men who have lived in the White House. Dramatic, exciting events in their lives that you and I so rarely hear. True... Human Stories of Mr. President. We'll bring you Edward Arnold as Mr. President in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at the men who have lived at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C., one of the most famous residences in the world. The men who live there are tenants with a four-year lease, our presidents. A national election held once every four years makes a man a president. But what makes a president a man? Well, it's the little things he brings to his job. His habits, opinions, hobbies, his mood across the breakfast table. You know, there's a human side of the highest office in the land, and you'll find it in the story of Woodrow Wilson's old-fashioned typewriter and Teddy Roosevelt's Indian clubs. This sort of personal history reveals the man. And that's exactly what our Mr. President series tries to present. And now, listen very carefully and see if you can name the president upon whom this episode is based. Here's a story that happened in Washington a few years ago. Listen closely and see if you can tell who the president was. It was the beginning of the president's term. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, John. Well, I must say it's quiet in here in your office. The place is a madhouse outside. Uh, I know it is. I shut myself up in here to do a little quiet thinking. It was good of you to come over, John. I came as soon as I got your message. I must say I'm glad I have a respectable law practice in a quiet office. I certainly could never work around here. What are you up to now? I am about to go to war. What? That's what I said. War. And do you know with whom? No, I didn't realize that our relations were strained with any of the European powers right now. Oh, I'm not going to war with Europe. You're not? Well, then, with whom are you going to war? I'm going to war with the Senate of the United States of America. Oh, I see. It's nothing to laugh about. Uh, sorry. It was the way you put it that amused me. The Senate uh, thinks they're going to run me. And they've got another thing coming. Why, if they had their way, I'd have to go to them and ask their permission before I walked from one room to, into another. Well, as a matter of fact, I did hear something about a bill that would require you to send your dinner menus over to the Senate for confirmation. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. You may think what you've just said is very funny. I do. But if something isn't done, the way the Senate is usurping more and more of the President's powers, things could really come to that. How are you going to carry on this war? The Senate wants me to ask them if I can remove one man from office and put another man in. Well, in all my studies of law and constitution, I have yet to read 
anything that gives the Senate any such right. The whole Tenure of Office Act was unconstitutional to begin with, and this is all a hangover from that. Why, as far back as 1787, James Wilson said, the president will not be the man of the people, but the minion of the Senate. He said it. And by all that's holy, he said a mouthful. Well, I admit there was a lot in what he said, all right. I tell you, it's war between the Senate and me, John. You just wait and see what I have to say to that 49th Congress in my opening address. It is well for us to bear in mind that our usefulness to the people's interests will be promoted by a constant appreciation of the scope and character of our respective bodies as they relate to federal legislation. Contemplation of the grave and responsible functions assigned to the respective branches of the government under the Constitution will disclose the partitions of power between our respective departments and their necessary independence, and also the need for the exercise of all the power entrusted to each in that spirit of comity and cooperation which is essential to the proper fulfillment of the patriotic obligations which rest upon us as faithful servants of the people. Senator, what did you think of the president's speech today? Oh, he'll tame down after a while. He'll mighty soon learn which way the wind blows. We know how to handle situations like this. The president's tangling with a mighty big body when he tangles with the Senate of the United States. Hello there, Mr. President. Shh. Someone might hear you. What on earth are you doing down here in this part of the grounds? Everyone in the White House is hunting for you. I'm hiding. Your what? I'm hiding. From Congress? From everyone. It's the only way I can get a moment's peace and quiet. You see this list? Yes. What is it? It's a list of appointments. 643, to be exact. As is required by law, I am sending the list to the Senate for confirmation. Legally, the Senate can reject the entire list. I know, but that doesn't worry me. Do you expect them to accept this list of yours? Good heavens, no. This list is simply what is known as throwing down the gauntlet. This is strategy, John. This is strategy. <laughs> President's lists of appointments. What are we going to do about them? Gentlemen, it seems to me the answer to that is obvious. We will ask the President to tell us why he has seen fit to remove the men from office who originally held these jobs. All 643? All 643. Once he tells us and makes that concession, we'll have the upper hand. Do you think he'll give us his reason? Why wouldn't he? Besides, we won't be foolish enough to ask him directly. We'll go to the head of each executive department and ask them to give us an explanation for the removal of each of these men. Take my word for it. 
We'll have the president eating out of our hands before he knows it. Mr. President, I am somewhat at a loss to know how to answer this request from the Senate. They want to know the reasons for the removal of the men from my department. I understand, Mr. Willoughby. You needn't be at a loss for an answer. I can tell you what to say. Tell the Senate that I have given orders that no such information is to be given out on the grounds that the public interest would not be thereby promoted and that the reasons pertaining to the removal of the men relate to a purely executive act. Yes, Mr. President. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I just wanted to see what your feelings were in this matter. Mr. Willoughby, you are the fourth man who has been here this morning, all on similar business. Every executive head of a department seems to have received the same request. And each of them, and to every one of them, I have made the same identical answer. Well, thank you, Mr. President. I'm glad to know your wishes in this matter. Good day, sir. Good day, Mr. Willoughby. Hello, John. Hello, Frank. Nice to see you. Is that you, John? Come in, come in. Yes, I I just thought I'd stop by on the way home and see if there was any word on who won the first round, the President or the Senate. (laughs) I'd say it was a draw so far. (laughs) Right now, both opponents are sizing each other up. The real action will start in the next round. Uh, Tell me, do you have any important cases during the next few days? Not very. Why? Oh, I thought I might take in a few days of hunting. You're going gunning for senators? No, geese. That's what I said, senators. (laughs) Those jokes of yours are getting worse every day. I know, isn't it terrible? And I try so hard to restrain myself, too. Uh, Where are we going, Hunter? Oh, down south. When do you want to start? Tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, early. Do you mean you're going off and leave the Senate alone? Why not? They need a little time to plot out their next move. And maybe I do, too. Ah, uh, not you. If I know you, you've got your whole campaign worked out. Well, my campaign depends somewhat on the moves they make. So let's go hunting and give them a chance to make a move. <laughs> Well, I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I, for one, do not intend to let the president bulldoze me. Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's all really very simple. We can easily bring the president to his knees. Oh, yes? How? Since he refuses to give us the information we've asked about his appointments, we can send these appointments of his to senatorial committees. What good will that do? Those lists can stay on the committee tables for a long, long time. I don't think the president has the patience to wait out the length of time it could take for the various committees to get through discussing those appointments. Uh, he might have. I don't think the president's going to give up this fight without putting up quite a battle. Perhaps not. And then again, who knows? I would suggest, gentlemen, that we let the president know that we are quite willing to pass all his appointments if he will state publicly that he has made all his removals and appointments for political reasons. (laughs) 
<laughs> what on earth are you laughing at? <laughs> this report from Washington. The Senate has let it be known among certain members of my cabinet that if I will publicly state that I am making all my removals and appointments for political reasons, they will confirm the entire list of the appointments. <laughs> oh, oh, those are clever boys, those boys in Washington. Say, how about putting some coffee on and getting dinner started? I'm starved. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I have what it takes to be a woodsman. When night comes, there's a lot to be said for a hotel dining room. Oh, nonsense. No food in the world tastes like food cooked over an open campfire. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'll open some cans and fix you a meal fit for a king. And right after dinner, I'm going to prepare a message to go back to Washington. We can hike back to that little town morning and send it. What are you going to say? Well, you know... <laughs> I've got a hand it to those boys. Yes, yes. If I was the unmitigated idiot they th they'd like to think I am, I might fall right into this cozy little trap they've devised. You see, the party in control of the Senate is the opposition party. And if they could get me to discredit myself and my party, it would be a great victory for them. But if you came out and said you made the removals and appointments for political reasons, that would certainly be going back on all your campaign promises. It certainly would. And furthermore, it wouldn't be true. I picked the men I picked because I thought they were the best choices for the job. I don't barter and I don't trade. And the sooner the Senate finds that out, the better. I want those men in office. And I'm going to get them in office. <laughs> Well, Senator, I don't know what you think, but so far I don't think we're making much headway. We didn't get any place by going to the heads of the departments. We haven't gotten any place by holding up the confirmation of the president's appointments. And he still refuses to recognize that we have the right to control removals from office. Oh, no, don't be hasty, Senator. We're going to beat the president at his own game. I yes. know, that's what we've been saying, but it isn't what we've been doing. I think we should make an issue of the Duskin case. Why? Well, we have to take some case, use it as a test case. Now, Mr. Duskin was removed by the president from his post as federal attorney for the Southern District of Alabama, and a Mr... Let me see, I have it right here. Oh, yes, a Mr. John Burnett was appointed. Now, I suggest that we have Senator Edmonds send a request to the Attorney General of the United States to submit us all information and papers relating to the nomination of Burnett and to the removal of Mr. Duskin. All right, let's try it. We'll see what answer we get from the Attorney General. What do you want me to do, Mr. President? Well, Mr. Attorney General, I suggest that you send the Senate the papers relating to the nomination of Mr. Burnett. Mm -hmm. But inform the Senate Judiciary Committee that you have received no orders from me that would permit you to send them the papers relating to the suspension of Mr. Duskin. I'll do that immediately, Mr. President. Good day. Uh, good day, sir. Oh, and Mr. Attorney General, as you leave, my secretary will give you a parcel. It's one of the birds I brought back from my hunting trip. I hope you enjoy it. You caught some geese, then? No, I wasn't able to catch any geese, but I did catch some swans. Swans? Yes, yes, I hope you enjoy it. I've given them out to several of the cabinet members. 
Yes. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mr. President. And you'll send that letter right off to the Senate? Yes, I'll do it right away, Mr. President. Good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> By George, I believe I've got the Senate exactly where I want them. By George, I think I've got them licked. <laughs> yes, sir. They've made quite a blunder this time. <laughs> and I really think I got them. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll come back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. You know, history has proved that people start to lose their freedom the moment they think it forever secure. That's why we must all work at keeping our American heritage of freedom. For freedom is everybody's job. To win against the totalitarian idea, Americans must become more aware of their citizenship. Today, many nations of the world are standing at the crossroads between free government and dictatorship. But those who still aspire to freedom look to America as an example. Therefore, what Americans do during the months ahead can greatly influence the decision the war-exhausted peoples will make. As a good citizen, remember your American heritage and work to defend your individual liberties. Do this by taking an active part in the affairs of your community and in fulfilling at all times the duties of American citizenship. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President. Well, have you guessed who the president was when all this happened? It really did happen, you know, so listen closely. Yes, it was war between the president and the Senate of the United States. Well, that's the attorney general's letter. I told you we wouldn't get any satisfaction from him. We will get satisfaction, or I'll know the reason why. You know, uh, actually, I'm not sure we have any right to insist that the president give us his reasons for suspending an affair. Well, maybe we don't have any legal right to insist on his reasons. But certainly no committee of Congress has ever been refused such a small, ordinary courtesy by any president before. Uh, well, there's never been a president exactly like him before. Well, he's made quite a blunder this time, and I really think we've got him. And I would really like to know on just what you base this amazing assumption, Senator. Why, any fool in the world can look at the records of this interchange between the Senate and the president and see that the president has refused to give us the information we've requested because he doesn't dare. Uh, I begin to see what you mean, Senator. Yes, the president's refusal to divulge any information is clear enough evidence that he has abandoned all his pledges of reform and is now acting completely on the old-fashioned spoils system. Uh, I assume we're going to let this information uh, leak out to the newspapers. Naturally. Yes, gentlemen, as I said, I really think we've got the president just where we want him. He's going to rue the day that he removed Mr. Duskin from his post and appointed Mr. Burnett. Well, John, you're not eating your dinner. Well, I, uh... Uh, my stomach seems to be a little off-color today. Oh, I see. Oh, no, don't get the idea that the dinner isn't delicious and that I don't appreciate the invitation. Oh, but you, you don't care for roasted swan, do you? Well, my spirit is willing, but my teeth don't seem to be strong enough. Whoa. Huh. 
It's good for a man to chew, exercise the jaw. Well, being a lawyer, my profession takes care of that. Well, tell me, how did you cook the swan that I gave you? Oh, we, uh, we boiled it. You boiled it? How did it taste? I don't know. We haven't eaten it yet. It's still boiling. Still boiling? Sure. It's been only boiling four days now. We decided we shouldn't try to rush things. Uh, I see. Well, <laughs> heaven only knows we tried to get geese. Man doesn't like to come back from a hunting trip empty-handed, you know. <laughs> well, we didn't. Oh, uh, you haven't eaten much of it yourself. Well, I caught it. I don't have to eat it, do I? Oh. And how are things with the Senate? Oh, they're still asking the heads of the departments for information, and I'm still refusing to let the information be released. So far, the Senate has requested and not demanded. But unless I miss my guess, they're going to lose their tempers any minute now and start issuing orders. And then what happens? Why, then we will reach the major engagement of the war, and one of us will leave the field with victory flying from our banners. Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Mr. Attorney General. Mr. President, I have been ordered by the Senate, uh, let me read you their exact phrasing, to transmit copies of all documents filed in the Department of Justice since the first day of January in relation to the conduct of the Office of District Attorney of the United States or the Southern District of Alabama. Oh, yes, yes. That refers to the appointment of Mr. Burnett and the removal of Mr. Duskin, doesn't it? Oh, yes, Mr. President. How do you want me to reply to the Senate's order? I want you to reply as follows. I am directed by the President to refuse your demand. I thought I'd find you down here. What are you doing? Hiding again? Yes. I had some thinking to do. I have news for you. What? The Senate is mad at you. No! Yes. Some of my spies inform me that the Senate Committee on the Judiciary has put before the Senate a report censuring the Attorney General for his refusal to give them the information they wanted. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look, um, I hope you won't think I'm stepping out of line, but you and I have been friends for a long time. Yes, I know. What are you trying to say? There, uh, there's getting to be more and more talk about your differences with the Senate. And in the eyes of some of the people, the Senate has managed to put you in a rather bad light. A lot of people are beginning to wonder why, if you have nothing to conceal, you refuse to let the Senate have access to the papers they want. I realize that, John. But a very important issue is at stake, whether the president does or does not have the right to remove officials without interference from the Senate. Well, the Senate, of course, is basing their action on the unrepealed part of the Tenure of Office Act. It is my belief that the unrepealed parts of the Tenure of Office Act are unconstitutional, as the, uh, as the others are, as those that have been repealed. The demands which have been made to the official heads of the departments have had but one complexion. They assume the right of the Senate to sit in judgment upon the exercise of my executive function for which I am solely responsible to the people, my oath to support and defend the Constitution, my duty to the people who have chosen me, and my duty to this office. All these things compel me to refuse compliance. I shall send a message stating just these views to the Senate immediately.
I've just come from the Senate, Mr. President. They've been discussing your message and have voted to formally censure the Attorney General for refusing to deliver the documents they requested. But their censure is really meant for me. Yes, I don't think there's any question about that. And all because I refused to tell them why Mr. Duskett was removed from office and Mr. Burnett put in. That's it in a nutshell. And the Senate believes and has led the people to believe that when these records are produced, some shady and nefarious scheme of mine will come to light. Is that correct? Correct. I thought so. Very well. I shall now make public the reason why Mr. Duskin was removed from office and why Mr. Burnett was appointed. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, gentlemen of the press. I have been waging a battle for a principle. During the past months, a great deal has been written and said about why I refuse to give any reason for Mr. Duskin's vacancy of an office in Alabama and my reasons for appointing Mr. Burnett. I refuse to answer because I believe that the president of this country must carefully avoid infringements upon the legislative power of the office. This was my only reason for refusing an explanation. However, I am now willing to tell you that the reason Mr. Duskin no longer holds office is because his term in office had expired before this controversy with the Senate began. What? Yes. What? yes. Now then, since Mr. Duskin was no longer in office, there was no reason why I shouldn't appoint another man to fill the job. <laughs> is there? <laughs> now, gentlemen, I hope you'll print this in your earliest editions, because I don't want the senators to keep themselves awake over it any longer. <laughs> and I hope my reasons for replacing Mr. Duskin don't prove to be too much of a disappointment to them. Stop that laughing. I've got something to tell you. Oh, yes, John, what is it? Well, I've just come from the Senate. And what do you think? The senator's mad at me. <laughs> no, they're embarrassed. There are a lot of red faces in the Senate today. Well, maybe now they'll get down to cases and take a good look at the remains of that Tenure of Office Act. If they'll repeal that law, then I shall be satisfied that this fight was worth fighting and that I have won a great victory for myself and for the dignity of the Office of President of the United States. <laughs> you've probably figured out by now who the president was when all that happened. It really did happen, you know, and you'll have the answer in just a moment. Since the time the greatest story ever told went on the air, it has received many awards from church groups and magazines. One of the highest tributes paid this outstanding program came from a leading magazine which said in its citation, it remains unexcelled to the field of religious programs for being all around good radio listening for the entire family. Incidentally, letters written to the greatest story ever told show that all faiths are equally enthusiastic about the series. The inspiring stories of the man who led the greatest life ever lived are lessons in tolerance and hope. Age-old stories, yet stories whose meaning is understood today. So listen to the greatest story ever told tonight on these ABC stations. And now back to Edward Arnold and Mr. President.
President, it must be a great source of satisfaction to you that one of the leaders of your opposition in this little fracas we've just engaged in introduced the bill repealing the remaining provisions of the Tenure of Office Act. Senator, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't tell you that it was a source of great satisfaction because I feel that that bill is a most important one. I must admit, you make a powerful adversary, Mr. President. <laughs> and I'm quite positive that none of us here in the Senate will ever forget these days when, when we... we went to battle, Senator... Yes, you might put it that way, sir. None of us will ever forget when we went to battle with Grover Cleveland. Be with us again next week, won't you, for another story, an interesting story that happened in Washington a few years ago to Mr. President. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> This program is produced and directed by Dick Willen. Edward Arnold may currently be seen in the Paramount picture, Dear Wife. Mr. President was created by Robert G. Jennings. Today's story was based on incidents in the life of President Grover Cleveland. Be sure to listen again next week when the American Broadcasting Company and its affiliated stations again bring you Edward Arnold with another interesting and factual story of Mr. President. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.